for April 8th, 2019. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 562. If winter is coming, can spring be far behind? Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet. Year in, year out, the seasons come, the seasons go. The earth is green or white with snow, but the Overthinkers, we remain constant. Uh, your weekly friends talking about ooh, getting together and talking about whatever interests us. Uh, I'm Matt Rather. I am here with my great friends, Pete Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hello, Mark. Hello, Matthew. You know, uh, like the swallows returning to Capistrano every year, heralding the beginning of spring, we now come to the season where the uh, global mega franchises all swarm to your multiplex and to your set-top box, your your over-the-top, your OTT play, uh, as they call it. Hey, Pete, you down with OTT? <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> but we get uh we we get different ones. I think you're a uh you're you're an Amazon streaming household. Oh, you're talking about what is OTT then? Over the top. It's the it's the the acronym so for the Stallone movie about arm wrestling. What? No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wouldn't that I'm be down with OTT. Isn't that a foul oh. in arm wrestling, right? Like you need to keep your elbow you need to keep your elbow on the table, right? Well, going over the top in arm wrestling refers to getting your fingertips and your hand up over the hand of the other person and achieving superior leverage. If you were to watch the fine Sylvester Stallone documentary where he arm wrestles for custody of his son called Over the Top, <laughs> he'll instruct you of this technique as also the importance of turning your baseball cap around, which makes you feel like a truck and is useful for the medical, the, the mental preparation for arm wrestling matches. Pete, Pete is not exaggerating at all. That is literally the plot of Over the Top. Yep. He arm wrestles for custody of his child. <laughs> You call so what it, is the other meaning of over the top? It's the it's um it refers to non cable boxes, internet internet powered sort of streaming boxes, and so oh, when, like Roku's and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. When when companies talk about uh, their OTT plays, they're talking about their way of getting onto people's getting into uh, as they say a living room experience without. Uh, being on, you know, a, a standard cable network. Now, you can have all kinds of living room experiences with or without the television on, but, uh, you know, a lot of them involve click, 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 clicking into uh, the various levels of an app to stream something, to stream something like Game of Thrones, which is coming back uh, next week. So, guys, uh, let's just dive deep into all the fan theories. At, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're not going to spend a week doing that. That would be boring for that would be boring for all of us. You also can find it. Arya Thanos. Arya Thanos. She's going to stab half the people in Westeros and restore things to balance the way all things should be. Um, fantastic. I, I, I love that. She, she snaps her finger and her face changes or something like that. Um, and, uh, the, the final, um, the final Marvel film, uh, ever, ever, they, they'll never, they'll never make another 
film. They're going to put this cash cow out to pasture and never milk it again. And just because they want they, they feel like artistically they've said everything that needs to be said with this franchise. They feel like, you know, it's a nice natural place for it to end now and nothing will ever convince them to make another uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But no, but the the final one, Avengers, uh, the the Avengers End End Game, um, Avengers- Game of Ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Game of Ends. Yes, um, Avengers End Stop is coming, and it's going to uh, it's going to you know uh, really put the period on that uh, on that sentence right at the end of the line. There, this is Phase Two or Phase Three of the MCU, and it's wrapping. It's wrapping up, and and that's like, uh, you know, the the this is it's almost like we need to take this week, this pause uh, between talking about films and talking about more films. Um, we need to do this, uh, forego talking about Shazam, and to uh, to just get ready to just. Get prepared spiritually, physically. Just make sure you have some comfy pants so that your butt can sit in that seat for the untold dozens of hours uh, through which you you will be barraged with your experience of entertainment. You know, you, it's important that we are mentally and physically prepared for this spring season full of uh, franchise franchise enders and and uh, perhaps also the end of american democracy um so pete are you are you are you ready are you ready for it all to come crashing down <laughs> i'm i'm really i am champing at the bit and i've already pre-ordered my subscription so i can witness what rough beast might be slouching toward bethlehem to be born at this very moment oh fantastic so uh yeah we got our popcorn popper rare to go so <laughs> Bring on the bring on the widening gyre. That is the uh, seasonal change and the end of all things that approaches us with these grand finales as they as they come to fruition. I've been watching. I also saw oh, yeah. Shazam. And Shazam is really good, and you should totally see Shazam. It's great. But we can we can save that for another vehicle uh, to discuss. Um. Yeah. That's uh. Yeah. I I was watching. Um... Sherlock, rewatching Sherlock from from the beginning, the Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, you know, BBC reboot of of uh, the Sherlock Holmes um, intellectual property, and it. Uh, I, I was looking back at some things that they said round about when the the weird fourth season uh, came out, and you know, no spoilers, but it it took a turn in the fourth season and really sort of they really started kind of playing around with the Sherlock mythology. And uh, I read some interviews with, I, I guess, like Mark Gaddis or Stephen Moffat. I forget who exactly, but it was like, this was the story that we wanted to tell all along. I was like, well, why didn't she get there? You know, <laughs> why didn't she get to the to the point a lot sooner? Like, why make us wait for for three years in order to get to the story that you wanted to tell all along? Was it like three years of clearing your throat? And actually, they weren't strictly speaking annual right so what it wasn't three years exactly anyway i feel like that with the uh i feel like that with game of thrones uh a little bit it's like now we're kind of coming up on the existential world-ending threat that um 
that uh, has been promised all along, the final climactic battle. I, I, you know, I take issue with films that seem like an advertisement for the other better film that's going to come along soon. Uh, and, uh, but here it is, the final one, the good one is finally upon us, the one that we've been waiting for for 11 years now. And uh, what, why, why, didn't you just, why didn't you just start here? Why, why wasn't it a show about zombies, you know, ice zombies coming down from the north at, at, from the very beginning? Like, why do we have to sit through seven years of, uh, seven years of petty squabbles when it's really all about, uh, are, are the ice zombies going to turn you into a non-ice, into a regular, into an earth zombie? or not well um, i mean you, yeah you, you gave the answer earlier matt with the cow right you know milking it and so forth and i guess um you know they really had to keep milking the cow and feeling their hands around the udders before they figured out what type of milk they were coming out no the, the, the analogy <laughs> kind of falls apart a little bit but i mean like i guess what we're talking about here aside from you know uh, exploiting pop culture and telling the same thing over and over again for financial gain uh, that, you know, we're, we're talking about that, but we're also talking about the sort of craft of storytelling and building anticipation, right? And um, we're not saying that that's invalid, right? I mean, there is like uh, pleasure in um, in sort of ramping up, uh, he- heightening uh, over a long period of time, and then r- really uh, he- ramping up expectations and then delivering the big thing. Um, I'm not opposed to that. Are, are, are you, Matt? I. No, I mean, it's, it's all, yeah, it's, it's the, you know, gradual, I, the gradual building of excitement. My, the, the, the therapist tells me that that's a very important uh, part of any relationship. And I, I, (laughs) so what you're saying that is that your favorite superhero film is Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, because you didn't have to wait for there to be sufficient character development before there was a massive and overly complicated crossover. Right, absolutely. You, just, you want your dessert first. Eat the ice cream sandwich before the regular sandwich, is what you're saying. Look, I, I just want the CGI punching to start, like, right in the first frame of the movie, you know, with, with people punching each other over football fields of distances. I, I don't really need to know who who you are or, you know, why you're here with me or why we're punching each other. It's just like, let's just get down to it. Smash, smash smash right i mean you're, you're joking matt but there is a story uh, i heard recently i think steven soderbergh was quoted as saying like lamenting part of the current state of, of filmmaking but um it, the story basically goes that he was on an airplane and he was watching someone uh, like with an ipad and uh, it, it, watching a movie isn't the right word for it the way that soderbergh says it is that he was he was watching someone like just jump around a movie and like only watching the action bits of it and then like flipping to something else. It's just kind of like chaotically going about um, uh, a viewing experience just to watch the CGI punching basically. Um, And I mean, I guess there is an argument out there that, that, you know, that's one way that people want to experience some sort of entertainment is just be barraged by all the crazies. I guess that's what TikTok is for. Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, a lot of video games, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, and but narrative the, the narrative arc still has a place for it, and um, uh, we can debate sort of you know how big the spectrum is or isn't. But let me just also put something out here while we're talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like I'm pretty sure I am on record on this podcast, and commenters have pointed this out for me, uh, saying that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would fall apart under its own weight. Like all this anticipation could not possibly build up to anything uh, worth the you know 11 years and 20 some odd films um that have uh, come across here um i think i've been proven wrong 
at this point. So let me just like, you know, eat that crow here and say that like, you know, whatever, however they've done this, you know, they've delivered incremental entertainment along the way with rise and fall um, of excitement and everything. And here we are. Right. They've done it. Yeah. But Mark, you in a way you were right as well because <laughs> Disney bought Lucasfilm, right? And managed to make the Star Wars franchise collapse under its own weight uh in in this in, you know incredible top heavy thing. So so you were right, you just had the wrong franchise because the the right one wasn't in front of you at the time. I don't think anybody would have predicted that. I mean, it's probably too early to say that Star Wars has quote unquote collapsed under its own weight, but um there's been certainly misfires right with the solo movie. Um but uh, no, no, no one saw that coming, right? Everyone thought that Star Wars was going to be the sure thing, and the, the Marvel thing would just be a, a, a sprawling hot mess. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of luck that goes into it, right? And then there's a certain amount of figuring something out that you can repeat, right? There's like variations on a theme. Isn't that kind of part of this whole thing? This is the idea of having a theme and then variations, a sort of thing to be grounded in, and then a thing that changes. And what is the thing that you're grounded in, and then what's the thing that's changing? I wonder if maybe part of the increased – it's not even fair to say necessarily that there's an increased allure of serialized entertainment because serialized entertainment has, of course, been really popular for a long time. I mean, in fact, we come out of multiple historical traditions where they basically just read the same book over and over for hundreds of years. Uh, so it's not entirely outlandish that people will stick with the same characters over long periods of time uh, and say, like, paint them holding their babies, like, over and over and over again. Um, and not, like, expect, oh, are people reaching Madonna in child fatigue? Right? Like, no, that's not really something that happens. It's more like there's constantly a challenge to keep, keep things interesting, right, and keep things moving. But, yeah, I don't know. This is around a chance. And maybe it wasn't going to work out. Maybe it is going to work out. Uh, but, but I guess, furthermore, it's, I wonder if the – ways in which action sequences are so fantastical now really necessitates having that grounding uh, or rather makes the grounding even more important and more rewarding that you get from having an existing relationship with the character. The idea that the movie that you're watching is not going to have enough time most of the time to independently ground you and invest you in the characters because it has to spend so much time on these action sequences that have no sensory bearing on real life experience at all. Right, you're flying all over the place and jumping up and down. I mean, there, there's exceptions like Iron Man had this wonderful tactile quality to it that I think has been brought forward. But I wonder if basically the more crazy action sequences get, the more character development becomes necessary to really get the maximum enjoyment out of them. Yeah. That's my hypothesis that I was talking about to you guys. I mean, that's interesting. I would I would put a lot of the success at the MP uh, of the MCU as uh, being being around the writing, investing in, in writing, investing in sort of stories that are stories that are satisfying for two acts until the CGI punching and like, you know, threat to the world starts. Um, and then it's like, you know, I, I really, I storytelling, I, you could put the first two acts of most Marvel movies up against, uh, up against a lot of different things. Iron Man is, is a great example. Like Iron Man two and three, like really have a lot of, uh, you know, have, have a lot of meat in that, have a lot of meat in that character. Um, and then I guess the the other thing is like in your, 
you know, your idea about sort of variations on a theme is like they've, they've kind of let their grip loosen in terms of tone and genre, right? Where you feel like the Thor movies are different from the Guardians movies or different from the Iron Man movies or different from, you know, the, the team up, the first Captain America movie, and then are different from the kind of the team up movies, you know, and that that like, um, uh, that kind of just loosening that grip, uh, which has not really happened in Star Wars. Though I guess, like, I guess Solo was maybe supposed to be this kind of '70s style heist film, kind of, you know. Um, it's supposed to be. Yeah, not even that. I mean, they tried to loosen the grip by letting Lord and Miller make it a zany comedy along the lines of Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. Um, but that didn't work, and they fired them, and they made something much more. Uh, familiar and in line with the rest of the Star Wars movies with Ron Howard. Yeah, they they also made a, a they did a pretty good heist movie in Rogue One. You know, um, had already had already done that. I mean, I, actually, a lot of the a lot of Star Wars is a heist movie because it really a lot of it is about getting the thing from within the thing where it's hidden or locked up, and that's uh, mm. you know that's sort of I, kind of embedded in the embedded in the DNA of the. Um, of the franchise in the same way that a lot of the Marvel movies are about like, uh, playing keep away from the bad guy, like, or getting, if the bad guy gets the bad thing, like getting the, the, the bad thing away from the, the bad guy. And so it's more, it's less about this sort of, you know, delving into the, into the temple and more about a direct kind of competition. It's a, it's a, they're sort of father stories instead of mother stories, but th- this is not unrelated. I think, um, to uh, to to the idea of of the sort of the change of the seasons, right? Like always new and yet always the same. There's a linear aspect to time, in, in that, like we all get older, and like you know the the um, that you can't you can't go back <laughs> to where you used to be. Uh, every turn a surprise, every moment red letter. But the, there's also like a cyclical aspect of time in that, like you know, if if winter is coming comes uh can spring is coming be far behind right and that that like the the every every year is sort of a variation on a theme i mean i guess it's i guess it's getting hotter i guess that's the overarching plot uh of the planet at the moment but like the you know um the the cyclical aspect of time is sort of not unrelated i think to the idea of like there is no madonna and child envy there is no um you know still life envy you know and or uh, fatigue i guess sorry what madonna and child envy that sounds psychoanalytic somehow but like no i mean uh, fatigue um there's also no spring fatigue, you know, after four or five months of cold, no one ever says, "Ugh, this, this tedious warmth, <laughs> this tedious, uh, <laughs> this tedious sun peeking through the clouds, these, these tedious blossoms on the trees, this tedious green grass poking up from the, the, I dirt. mean, in my lifetime, I've had 36 installments of this already. What new are they going to bring to the table with a 37? <laughs> Played out, you guys. Gosh. Oh, Try not to have any springs before you go to the parking lot. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Matt, let me ask you, though, because you've kind of cracked, you've hacked the planet a little bit by moving to Southern California. 
where I do you get the feeling that the seasons exist in a cycle? Do you experience because here in Massachusetts, the seasons are a heteroglossia of extremely, extremely different experiences, which I'm sure, you know, you remember having spent some time up here as well. But I do. I I recall from my youth, from my (laughs) we tied onions to our belts, which was the style at the time. No, the uh, yeah, sorry, I, I preempted your question, Pete. No, I mean, that's what I just basically, A, do you feel the cyclicality of the seasons in your climate? And B, if you do, well, whether you do or not, do you feel like the the differences within the individual and across the individual seasons comprise a greater contribution to the whole that is the year than might be if the year is merely a calendar cycle of kind of temperateness or uh, of even unerring warmth? Yeah, I mean, that's not, that's sort of not what we get in Southern California. It's interesting. Well, it, it might not be interesting, but it's interesting to me because it's a story from my life, uh, you know, which, which I find interesting, like fully three quarters of the time. Um, I, in, in poetry writing concentration in college, you know, one of the assignments that, that we had to do rather than just producing individual poems, uh, week in and week out was to write a sequence of poems, right? And that, uh, you know, Pete, I know you're, you're familiar with what a sequence of poems is, but, but for the sake of people who might not be literary people, can you distinguish between like a, a, a poem or like a book of poems and like a sequence of poems for everyone's benefit? I think so. I mean, when I think of a sequence of poems, I think of, they have to be, they should be, I think, in different styles or at least somewhat different styles, but connected in some sort of either thematic or plot or symbolic respect. Uh, do you have a more formal definition than that? No, they have, like, I, I think that's it. Beginning and middle and end. Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, it's a bunch of poems and they have like, there's like a through line. There's a reason that they all hang yeah. together, you know? Um, yeah, I wrote a sequence of poems uh, that's one of my projects in college, which was about, about a storm that destroyed a dock on a lake and like various people who experienced like the the aspects of the storm and the kind of dissolution of the pier and, and all those others. It was pretty rudimentary stuff, but uh that was the kind of thing that kind of general event, right? And then there's people inside, there's people outside, there's people on the water, everybody kind of experiencing this event from different perspectives. Right. And that's a, uh, that's a great yeah. that's a great example of one way to one way to organize something, which is that you like you take one point in time and look at it from different points of view, right? So that it becomes like a, a um an inventory of experiences. You know? Uh, right. another another Just like way the Game of Thrones way, like the zombies are coming, the dragons are coming, what's everybody doing in the sort of months and years that lead up to that? Yeah, would be yeah with the with the multiple focal characters. Well, so another like um, sort of common way of organizing a sequence of poems is to do like the months of the year or the seasons of the year or the days of the week or the signs of the zodiac or the you know you take and you can sort of have this like overarching thematic organization. And so I wrote a sequence of poems called L.A. Year that was a, a sequence of, of season poems, um, but based on what the seasons are like in the, you know, the desert climate of the, you know, southwestern part of the United States, uh, rather than rather than being there, uh, the sort of originals that, you know, and I use that word in scare quotes, right, the, the original or sort of correct seasons of uh of like new england or northern europe or something like that which are a little more you know uh 
a little more sort of ingrained culturally in the idea of the seasons. Like the idea that fall should look like fall in Maine. You know, fall doesn't look like fall in Maine in all that many places on earth. But the idea, you know, I need, I, when people say I need my seasons when they don't want to like move to the West Coast, it's like, well, no, you, you, you need your seasons a certain a certain way, right? And so the, 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 it's, it's a being, and you also can't believe the hype of like, you know, oh, it's always sunny and 74 degrees out. It's, it's really not like it's, uh, it's a, it's a desert out here. And that like the, the main feature I think of a desert is that like, there's this swing between day and night, even very hot, uh, days can swing like 30 degrees at night. And I, I feel like in, in New England, the swing every day, the, the swing every day, the delta is smaller, but the swing throughout the year is bigger, right? And mm-hmm. in, in a desert climate, you have that more in, in microcosm. Like the year, if you were to graph average temperature for a day uh, over the course of a year, it would be a lot flatter uh, over the course of a year than it would be for New England. But our swing within a, a given day, you know, can be a, as many as 30 degrees, which is, you know, that can be the difference between like shorts weather and like jacket weather, you know? Um, so, so what I'm saying is dress in layers, uh, folks, so that's that's more the Marvel Cinematic Universe style. Then, whereas each individual movie, while you can recognize that there are certain common threads that are going to be connecting all the movies, and you might even step way back and kind of say, "Well, there's not that much variation. They're all superhero movies." But like within each movie, there's a a lot of variation. I guess there's also variation from movie to movie, but the farther away you get from it, the less you see it. Sure, and the the, so, uh, Thor, yeah. the difference between Thor Two: The Dark World and uh, Thor Ragnar. Rock, right, like even within even within the one supposedly contigu- continuous franchise of Thor, uh, seems like there was a lot uh, a lot of, of variation there. You know, right, right, right. That's interesting. So, are you saying that the desert seasons do give you a sense of greater meaningfulness or experience, a richer experience of the year as a whole? Yeah, they. I mean, they do. It's with the uh, you know with the. Um, the uh, daylight saving shift and the kind of the slightly warmer weather. It's been it's been unaccountably chilly um, for this part of the world the last couple of weeks. But I've been like sitting outside more in the morning and like drinking my coffee as this as the sun comes up, rather than like huddling inside with a sweater, sitting on the couch, uh, you know, waiting for the uh, waiting for the sun to come up. And so it's like there there is a sense of there is a kind of gradual sense of like emergence and a gradual sense of like you know um sitting out on a patio for you know dining al fresco you know it's 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 really the rhythm of dining al fresco that really governs the seasons and in a lot of places not just not just uh the west coast hey matt let me ask you it might be a dumb question but uh, is spring cleaning a thing in the west coast or at least in los angeles um, you know, I, we, winter is less extreme here. So the idea that you have to kind of unload a bunch of gear for winter out of storage, set up the gear, like, I, I don't know what storm windows or, you know, um, hot water bottles or, uh, I, you know, I don't know, radiator radiators or something like, I, I don't know what you people have. <laughs> I mean, even the fact of oh, like you know putting putting the patio furniture out. 
Yeah. Right. No, the patio like, furniture you know, doesn't, doesn't come in, you know, patio yeah. furniture okay. doesn't come in. Like it's, there'll be a really warm November day when you want to go out and grill on the, uh, grill on the patio. Yeah. And so that, that idea that like you're moving things in and out of storage, that there is like, um, is sort of interesting that there's sort of like a staging uh, or storage area to life and then the, the sort of active area and that's sort of like a carousel you like bring things around you 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 know it's a what's the data structure it's a queue it's a uh, first in first out queue right like so you put things at the back of the queue and gradually they come around to the front um no that 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 is not as as much a part of the uh, a part of the lifestyle here, but but uh, Mark, you're in a, you're an apartment dweller. Like, is it patio furniture mostly, or do you have other things like clothing, for example, that that kind of cycle in and out of the uh, of current use? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, at a basic level, right? Though the winter clothes might get you know, I don't wouldn't quite say put in storage, like you know, moved to another physical location, but just like thrown under the bed in a box. Um, that is certainly a thing. Uh, that occurs in this household, at least. Um, I mean, I mean, like the broader point, tying it back to the broader point, right? It's like you know, this act of spring cleaning um, brings with it a sense of renewal, rebirth, anticipation, right? Um, that goes along with the uh, the other sort of the, the, the cultural calendar as well. Um, it's so it's tough to say if that's if that's like you know a, a northeast or east coast driven phenomenon, right? When the irony is that a lot of our entertainments are driven from where you are, Matt. Um, without the sense of like you know spring being uh, a season of, of rebirth and reawakening, but there is a, there's a thing mark too where like there is a story that we were supposed to be telling all along with the year in year out cycle of spring cleaning, which is that like if if uh, part of your life is that you're going to uh, you know get a partnership and start a family, you know, and then there are suddenly little children in your life, well, nothing will ever be clean again, right? And the the you know just the the disorder. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll never find the remote. Like you can, you can spring clean all you want, but that remote is hidden. It's hidden under a pile of Legos or a pile of blocks or a pile of, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, baby shark DVDs. No, if I can't find the remote, how am I supposed to activate my over the top device? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to, to wash my, to wash you'll my throat, my throat again. Back. You'll never get your son back if you can't go over the top. <laughs> Disastrous. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, the older child that I live with, um, who is almost six, uh, asked Alexa to play something. Uh, sorry, asked the uh, Amazon Echo uh, smart speaker device to play something the other day. But uh, it started playing. It misheard him and started playing Flow Rida. <laughs> uh, I forget. <laughs> I forget what he said. Uh, I forget what he said for. Um, uh, I forget what he said. Uh, that that I wish I could remember whatever cute, like slightly baby talk thing he said uh, that issued in Flow Rida. And I was like, and I was like, wait, 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 Dingus, stop, stop! <laughs> it's like, no, you can't listen to to Flow Rida. And so, of course, the 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 next thing he said was, Dingus. Play Flow Rida, <laughs> and, and now you know. And now that's like uh, I, I uh, now that's you know something that's just going to just going to happen. You can't you can't protect them from you can't you can't uh, you can't prepare the digital path for the child. So you have to prepare the child for the digital path. Um, you know, I I guess it's, I don't know, Pete. Pete, I know I because I. Uh, 
I started, uh, I, I follow you on Instagram and I started seeing open squarage uh, photographs. <laughs> I know that this is a, and you know, the, the hauling of the workout gear out into the driveway from just, just within the garage where you keep the, the space heater, uh, right next to the pile of oily rags. Um, the, uh, uh I have no space heater. I do have oil. <laughs> That's why I have no space heater. Sorry. That was so, the, that was you the think- joke. You have to have, you have to really listen carefully to the podcast to, <laughs> to get that deep cut. But like, uh, I feel like this is a, you know, bringing the, the squat rack into the sun and, and, uh, blinking, you know, as you, as you, uh, put the tank top on your back and, and, um, you know, I don't know, have heft up the, heft up the, the, bar for some some back squats your your uh eyes your atrophied eyes squinting and blinking in the sun (laughs) yeah i mean well the grill is big for us right so is cleaning out the garage cleaning out the squat the squash garage the squarage and giving it a sort of annual once over which i think is scheduled for next week so when we're really going to clean it out and uh i guess one thing that adds to the dimension here is that we had a really big windstorm just, I think, last week here. And the windstorm damaged a bunch of stuff outside. Not anything huge, but uh, an old picnic table that had, I think, been built by, or a work table, some sort of wooden table that I think my landlord had made many, many, many years ago, you know, like 20, 25 years ago, which has been rusting and falling apart. You know, the the wood hasn't, but the fasteners have. Uh, Finally blew apart in the storm. Like, I ran out into the storm, chased the garbage can, down the driveway and like hauled it back into threw it in the garage threw all the bins in the garage that were blowing around grabbed the table and it came apart in my hands right like so much of uh of spider-man in tony stark's caress right it's just like it's like not there anymore and uh it's just pieces of wood um and so i i mean we went out today and we grilled and we sat in the sun and I took a screwdriver to the shambles that was the table in order to dismantle it so that it could be properly disposed of. And there was something about that that feels somewhat similar to this in, incipient sense of the end of things that's coming with approaching the end of Avengers, the end of Game of Thrones, this feeling that this changing of the seasons is kind of bringing about a transformation. It doesn't come without a storm, and it doesn't come without things kind of jumping the line and happening before they should. Uh, so I guess I'm saying is don't, don't spoil things for people, but also, like, be ready, batten down the hatches, throw the vulnerable things into storage, because you want the season to change when you're ready for it to change. I guess that's another dimension, right? If, if you haven't yet rotated out your sweaters uh, and it gets really cold, that's a problem, right? If you haven't rotated in your cargo shorts and you're a man of a certain age and it gets really warm, like that's a major crisis that needs to be addressed, right? It's, uh, there's both this sense of I want everything to happen in accordance with its time because it's comforting to me that everything happens in accordance with its time. But also against that is the notion that all these changes are going to be surprising. It, it seems like sometimes in the cold you forget the memory of the warmth, and sometimes in the warmth you forget the memory of the cold, or at least I do. And so dusting out this garage, bringing things outside, right, breeding lilacs from the dead land as such during this coolest month of April, which I guess is also the month of Game of Thrones and Avengers spoilers, which I think is what T.S. Eliot was writing about the whole time. Yeah, oh, that's why it's the cruelest like, month uh, for sure. Yeah, April is the coolest month, bringing Thanos out of the dead land, mixing Daenerys and Jon Snow, 
right? Like stirring dull You don't have to be a kind of political junkie or a follower of QAnon to know that like people can have ambivalent feelings about both the storm and also you know the release of the long narrative, uh, the three hundred page uh, you know dance with dragons like. Uh, uh, right narrative that that's going to just change everything. Uh, that's going to bring a whole era to an end. You know that 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 these things uh, these things come with with a, a very difficult experience, a kind of mixed uh, mixed kind of excitement and dread. You know, and that's uh, it. It is uh, it is definitely the 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 sort of pro- proverbial curse. May you live in interesting times. Um, is uh, you know we we live in in uh, Marvel cinematically interesting times. <laughs> yeah, we're talking yeah, about we're talking about, the, we're talking about the tension between um the the cyclical nature of the seasons but also like these uh surprising aspects or things that catch us unprepared or just like a not exactly following the regular order of things i mean there's something to be said about the fact that like you know hugely anticipated uh movie comes out in april and also like a final what six episodes of a tv quote-unquote season comes out in april right neither of those are are didn't, at least didn't used to be quote unquote normal things, right? Those are also the product of changing media landscapes, are they not? Yeah, anthropogenic media change has been happening gradually, which has been <laughs> disrupting the natural equilibrium that causes movies to come out in the summer rather than in the spring. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you could you could attribute it also back to what was it was it uh, Fast and Furious coming out in May and renewing the. Uh, the Vin Diesel mystique out of nowhere and showing people that this sort of incredulous, this impossible uh, thing that happened. I'll answer but, my own question a little bit. I think it was actually Watchmen coming out in March. I think it was a 2009 or something like that. Um, that was the, the marker of a new era of the spring uh, pre-summer movie season of, of the blockbuster. But the TV thing I think is a, is more recent. Like, Matt, you could probably speak to this, right? In terms of like the move away from the network television, like what, 26 or 13 episode season that started in the fall into something else that's much more, um, I guess, ad hoc, for lack of a better word. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, isn't that that is sort of the way it works? I mean, there is a there is a sort of cyclicality to it, and that like, I but it's not it's not necessarily dictated by you know the the uh, the calendar in the same way. I mean, the Deadpool came out in February, didn't it? Well, yeah, and now February has become kind of like this time that can be viable, right? When it when Black it used Panther to be, came out in February, Black no, Panther made a gazillion dollars. Oh, that was yeah, that was the uh, that was the one, right? That last year, but didn't didn't Deadpool also come out at a time? Um, yes, because it was tied into Valentine's Day, and it, it was advertising itself as a romantic comedy as part of like the the marketing blitz. Yeah, right, and that that like this this idea. I mean, I think is the business model. Uh, as the business model shifts and as every, you know, big studio movie becomes kind of a, a tentpole movie, the the high profile ones anyway, you know, the, the only season I'm aware of is the season of uh, like the Oscar season now. And that that like is a sort of joyless slog that begins in the fall and, and continues through the. Um, continues through the Oscars. So it's it's like uh, as as the as the weekends of summer became inadequate to program and counter program all of your big, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars money-making contenders. 
like just of necessity, it sort of spread out, and it it, it leads to this second order storytelling. Like one one of the actually one of the very good uh, instances of storytelling in the MCU is the marketing of the films, right? In the MCU, and the way that that they're sold, the way that they're paced, the way that they sort of lead in one to another the way the almost um you know the the lockstep um you know disney is very good at sort of synergistic things at sort of bringing bringing to bear kind of multiple disparate channels or even lines of business uh to bear in service of one uh gigantic effort you know the effort of like um the effort of Star Wars now comprising films, animated series, merchandise, which it, it all already did, now sort of live, uh, live theme park, um, you know, experiential types of things and things like that. And it, the, the sort of the, um, I guess I see it mostly on Instagram because that's where I consume media a lot these days, which is a development I'm not entirely pleased about. But the 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 Instagram, the sort of people on the late night talk shows, the uh, the drops, you know, of trailers, the idea that the trailer is its own sort of event, right? And the kind of the the narrative that's built around the story of you going to the movie rather than the story. Um, of the movie itself is something that that Disney really masters. Look at look at go go YouTube some commercials for like going to Disney World, you know, and and look at like who they're selling on what, and look at what they're what they're selling. It's and and the kind of the 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 whole kind of three hundred sixty degree um, incredible. Uh, uh, panoply and kind of heteroglossia of that, like is is amazing, um, and that's that's a that, you know that is a, a new kind of storytelling that is super important for these these sort of tentpole and uh, tentpole and franchise movies. I I have a lot more to say about it, uh, especially the kind of the debased forms in into the quote unquote Instagram influencer level, like where where everyone wants to like um, everyone wants to relate to everyone else as though they are a lifestyle bland, brand, you know. Uh, I, I I have a friend who has a kid and can't stop, like has you know three followers on Instagram, and and uh, this this person can't stop following, you know. Can't, can't stop posting things like, okay, I know you guys were, have been asking for my top five cutest baby outfits. And it's like, no, no, no one was asking for that. They're, they're, they're asking for CGI punches. Anyway, I'll, uh, I'll yield the floor now if anyone uh, can take this in a productive direction. I mean, if you're talking about like the narrative that Marvel is weaving with this marketing of it, then I guess that's a second order narrative and that becomes leads directly into the third order narrative, which is people's lives marked by milestones that are provided by the Walt Disney Corporation. Right. Um, going oh, to sure. these big mo- going to these movies and like you mentioned, going to the theme parks um, and also going to the cruises. I don't know if you guys heard no gotten the heard the good news about the Disney cruise. 
But that's like uh, I, I was just only recently made aware of this phenomenon where you go in a boat and you just like uh, are freaking immersed in a Disney experience, which I suppose is like similar to going to a theme park, except it's on a boat. Um, but Disney's there for every step of your life and all the milestones as well, too. Right. And birth, certainly uh, of a child, uh, um, young adulthood to certainly Disney themed marriages um, are out there. And uh, I hate to sound macabre, but I, are, are Disney themed funerals the thing? Oh, they probably they probably are someone, right. Someone Google that real quick. I you know I went to drama school and so I have a, a lot of friends, people who were when I was in graduate school were undergrads who went to work on Disney Cruise Lines um, and you know post whatever they're allowed to post on on social media about it. It it is very it is very interesting to see the kind of machine that produces that magic um, and you know each week. It's sort of week by week. I think they're week long cruises, and and uh, there are there's this sort of cycle, you know, and and there is like there if you if you live on a Disney cruise and that's your you know that's your work. By the way, if you are a uh, if you are a uh, undergraduate in like a BFA or in you know acting school or majoring in theater or something, and you you sing and dance, um, working on a cruise ship is not is really not a bad way to kill like one to three years of your 20s um see some of the you know see some of the world uh do your do your singing and dancing um you know meet young attractive people and you know i don't know go out for coffee together right and like and and see all kinds of places in the mediterranean or the the caribbean or you know wherever the 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 cruises go um that's not a bad i i almost did it it never quite it never quite came together for me but there were a couple of points where i was looking into that and even one where i did a couple of auditions and never uh never got any bites but like uh you know if you're hey, when people are on their deathbed they never talk about the crew the performances of frozen on cruise lines that they didn't do or wait how's that go it's like you never regret that you you that you never regret that you did perform Crozen on a cruise line. Wait, no, that's not how I would say it. I don't even know how to categorize this in terms of the grand experiences of life. Sorry, continue, continue. But if your life is governed by the the routine of like Wednesday night is pirate night, ah, matey, then uh, <laughs> which, which it is. Yeah, and that's a, oh, different, on a cruise boat. Yeah, right, exactly on a Disney cruise. That's like that's uh, it's it is a completely different organizing principle. Um, and it's it's a completely different way of uh, relating to Pirate Night than if you just go for a week and Pirate Night is this sort of this one off thing that has a, a sort of a build up and a climax, right? If you if you uh, do it, I mean, actually, there there is good. It's like the it's like Pete's sequence of of poems where you look at the storm from one from more. Uh, more perspectives than one, you know, like think of one of the big narratives of your life is your education, right? And like going through high school, going through senior prom or, you know, this huge kind of coach culturally freighted experience, which, you know, never lives up to all the cultural freight, but like it, it happens, you go through it and you graduate, right? And that, and then you're done. And that was a straight through trajectory. But if, you know, if you're a teacher, right, if you're an educator, it's it's pirate night it comes around every week you know it's uh it's this year's prom it's that year's prom and you sort of think about um 
you know, you, you organize it sort of, you organize time uh, differently in your mind. And it's, it's, it's sort of a, that is sort of an interesting thing to think through where like the, the perception of time, you and another person's perception of the same event can be not only different sort of qualitatively, but different in its in the way that it produces meaning uh, because you could be in a linear, you could be in kind of a, a, a narrative perception structure and they could be in a cyclical, cyclical perception structure or vice versa that, uh, you know, that, that like, um, I never really, uh, that, that, that like accounts for some of the different ways that we, um, you know, that we see things. Perhaps it's fate that we are talking about this, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think this is the day of WrestleMania. Oh, I, think oh. WrestleMania I think WrestleMania might be happening tonight. I'm not positive. So somebody can Google that and confirm that. But it's interesting. What struck me, it connects to Game of Thrones, too, and it connects to WrestleMania. You're talking about this, these, a narrative, sort of a narrative anticipation versus a cyclical anticipation. The idea that the story has a beginning, middle, and an end, versus that the story kind of recurs to the same place over and over and over again and doesn't particularly stop. Um, And it's interesting to consider something like WrestleMania in that standpoint, because there are certainly storylines that have their arcs that tend to, if not end, then reach a point of transformative culmination at WrestleMania. But at the same time, or in Game of Thrones, we know that there are characters who are kind of coming of age and have been anticipating a particular big fight for a long time. And this particular fight is going to happen in this particular season of Game of Thrones. You know, they're going to be in the steel cage, right? Who's going to come out on top? But at the same time, I think particularly in the fact with Game of Thrones that we watched kind of children grow up and become the adults, and then the adults become the people in charge, and then the people in charge kind of fight the great battles, it's interesting to think that that's something that we kind of intuitively or deeply understand as not happening only once, that, that it's sort of like this is the batch, right? This is the generation, that, that a generation kind of coming through and doing their thing is something of a cyclical experience as well as a narrative experience, that you can feel, even if this connects to the Marvel things too, in the sense of like we feel that this is the end of a generation, that we got 10 years of Marvel movies that end here. That doesn't mean the Marvel movies are going to end, but it means that this generation has kind of had its kind of sunrise, its noon, and now it's in its sort of ruddy afternoon and magic hour, and there's going to be kind of like a, you know, a, something before sunset, right? Something Ethan Hawkish is going to take place. Um, although I guess there's, a, you know, sunset, beautiful colors across the sky, uh, pyrotechnics going up as somebody hoists the world championship belt at the top of the ramp. Uh, right, something along those lines. Um, it didn't, and the thing about it in the context of sports in seasons, where you know you have a championship at the end of the sports season, and there's this kind of, especially when there's a playoff where people get eliminated, and it's like, oh, you got to go home, your season's over. There's this sort of feeling of death, and then there's this one team that wins, and their season ends too, and it all sort of has this feeling of conclusion. But it's going to start all over again in just a few months. And by the time you get to when it starts, the feelings that you had at the end are pretty much gone. Um, it's, just, it's just interesting to consider. I like this idea of, of how we adjust the, almost the frequency of our the sort of mental wavelength, of our, uh, how we resonate with the kind of cycles and epicycles of these flows to either see it as something that's like a sunrise or a sunset versus like a revolution, something that's turning and turning and turning. 
Yeah. Um, I would I would yeah. also uh, remind us of the experience of anticipating Star Wars movies, right? Where we went many many years between Return of the Jedi before Phantom Menace, and likewise many years before um, Revenge of the Sith to The Force Awakens, um, and those felt like these uh, you know huge like eras passing. Um, whereas now it's uh, something that feels a little bit much more kind of uh, cyclical. Um, that, you know, OK, they pumped one out and we got to see this and we either liked it or didn't like it. Um, and then they're going to pump one out again. So we don't have to wait that much longer. Um, just to update a few things here, just to tie up some loose threads. Uh, yes, WrestleMania is tonight, um, Sunday, April 7th. And also going back to the Disney uh, um, question of are there Disney themed funerals? Um, the answer is sort of yes, at least like, you know, one has happened. And there's a particularly tragic article here, actually, that a story that I'm finding of someone who um, who a young person who was dying of cancer and her lifelong wish was to go to Disneyland and could not. And so her funeral was Disney themed. Um, so, yes, it does happen. It's a thing. It's sad. <laughs> yeah, hoy, 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 hoy. I don't even know what to say about that. Other than make it off. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, like, to, sorry, sorry to bring move. bring the mood down there. Wow, uh, yeah. yeah, a whole new world. Mm. <laughs> do you think there'll be Disney themed? Well, do you think there'll be funerals in Avengers Endgame? Do you think we'll get to see a uh, like a like another coffin and draped in the American flag being like carried out? Uh, I mean, there's one in the commercial, right? Because he's carrying. Is it Bucky's coffin that he's? I can't be. I'm trying to remember. Is it his? Who is? Who is the coffin? That, who's in the coffin that Captain America is carrying in the retrospective in the Avengers Endgame commercial that was going around? Do you guys remember? I, I don't recall, but you bring up an interesting question there, right? You know, uh, how the world would handle the death of literally 50 percent of its population, right, without any bodies? Oh man, if Thanos actually, if like we actually had a plague. Like yeah, like a uh, like a legit global plague of like the sort of scope that happens in some places, but not a lot of places. Yeah, but, I mean the the, but it's not even like it would be a plague where people where people just kind of disappeared. It would be more like the rapture almost, right? Like, uh, and what would what would happen? Man, I I smell a, a hit series of books in this. Like, <laughs> what what would happen to those of us uh, on Earth if? Um, you know, the elect of God were, were just suddenly assumed body and soul into heaven and just disappeared. Planes crash and, uh, you know, all, all this stuff. And then we have to go fight the secretary general of the UN, who is also the Antichrist. Um, well, I'm going to call Kirk Cameron and Nicolas Cage and have them each make a movie based on this idea, because I think that there should be not one, but two different cinematic interpretations of it. I think it's going to be great. I mean, Definitely. what do you, do you have? Do you have Madonna and child fatigue? No. I mean, do you have, <laughs> do you have left behind? Do you have, uh, do you have revelations fatigue? No. Right. Like uh, the beginning and the end of the new Testament, the alpha and the omega, it starts, it comes, it comes around. It starts, uh, uh, it starts all over. All right, let's let's wrap by saying: Is there anything? Um, is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to in the next uh, in the next media season? Is it Game of Thrones? Is it Avengers Endgame? Is it something that we haven't talked about yet? What uh, uh, what are you particularly into? Pete, you're first in the alphabet. What do, what do you think? I mean, I've been humming the Avengers song to myself while riding my bike home from work for, you know, several of the days this week. I'm really jazzed for this Avengers movie, probably more than it deserves. 
Um, but I'm very excited for it. So if I had to add anything, I'd add John Wick. But uh, but this Avengers movie is definitely kind of I feel like a, a physical sort of uh, there's some sort of like hand holding my heart around this of really wanting it to happen, which is interesting in and of itself. So that's my that's my strongest anticipation. Mark, what do you think? Uh, Stranger Things season oh. three coming out Ooh. on t- July fourth, which goes back again to the conversation about how um uh, uh you know the the old school fall winter tv cadence uh following seasons doesn't really exist anymore because big highly anticipated television event is going to drop smack in the middle of the summer when i guess standard practice before was just like pump out a bunch of reality shows and uh, other random crap during the summer season but uh not with netflix they just do whatever they want anytime any place and we watch it because it's uh, at least in the case of stranger things it's really good um, and mine, uh, there's a new Mountain Goats album coming out uh, later this year. It's called In League with Dragons uh, and, you know, is not Game of Thrones themed, but is sort of is sort of fantasy themed in the way that the last couple Mountain Goats records have very, very productively kind of focused on one uh, one area, becoming almost more a, a sequence of, of songs rather than uh, just a, a sort of pop album organized around pop albumness. Um, that was starting with uh, Beat the Champ, which was about the 70s and 80s days of regional professional wrestling, and Goths, which is about Goths, <laughs> and now In League with Dragons. I'm really excited for this, uh, really excited for this record to come out and have pre ordered it on vinyl at a frankly embarrassing sum of money with a whole bunch of ancillary merch to come along with it. All right. That's uh, those are our picks. Those are our hot picks for the the media landscape coming up. We're gonna obviously be covering all of this this stuff in some form on the the next couple episodes of the the podcast and the next next months and and years. Because if if anything, we know time goes on, but the overthinking of podcast uh, will return. So thanks for listening to it. Thanks to the members who support and sustain us with a, a five dollar contribution every month. If you want to join them, go to overthinkingit.com slash join. Thanks to Pete and Mark for podcasting with me. We'll be back next week. Until then, visit us on the web at Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. I will throw in one thing, one little, one little tidbit. There is a scene in Shazam where a man dressed as Santa Claus gives an interview to the news where he curses a bunch and it gets bleached out. And never in my life have I seen children in a movie theater quite as delighted as the children around me were when Santa Claus was cursing near the end of Shazam. So... <laughs> If you were planning to see Shazam, I highly recommend keeping a close eye on the old man who plays Santa Claus because the relationship between his Santa outfit and what he does is as much of a commentary on superheroes as you're going to find on this podcast or in any of these other movies, and the children are going to love it.